Hi, I'm Season 2. Welcome to Season 2. Hi, Season 2. I'm Chris Seals. Hey, Season 2. I'm Wayne Randolph. Um, and this season, we've got a lot of exciting podcasts waiting for you. Stupendous. That's a lot of hype. Yeah. Um, but We have a podcast. We do. <laughs> um, but what we realized is Season 1, you heard a lot of us. With a little bit of sprinkling from Dr. Nate and... Yeah. Those, those, uh, the dads. And, the, and dads. the dads. What's up, dudes? And Beto the Science Vato. Beto the... Yeah. Oh, we, I think he was Beto the Science Cholo. I like Science Vato, but it wasn't coming off my tongue as well. <laughs> Either way. <laughs> yeah, we had some friends. Yeah, we did. We um, liked it. And it seems like you guys did too. Yes. And so this season, um, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be publishing a little less frequently, probably every other week. Um, but in that every other week, what we are going to be doing is uh, making sure that we have some A-list special guests. Yeah, and then hunting them down and spending time trying to get them and figuring all the technology stuff out because yeah, you're so you're awesome, Chris. Yeah, I right. so, that. so, yeah, we're going to spend that time trying to put together some, some new things. We've heard from some of you. Um, we need to hear from a lot more of you. Um, if you want to shoot us an email, like an idea, like, man, you really, I, I read this article, you should try to get this guy, or I don't know, maybe you're doing something. Maybe you're working on research in your, in your, on your, I don't know, your doctoral program, or you're doing some stuff in your classroom and you want to share it. Like, let us know that too, man. We, we want to do these things. Shoot us an email at confessionshsbt at gmail.com and hit us up on our website. I think that goes to the same place though. So irrelevant. Yeah. So enjoy season two. Um, we're going to start off with a couple of episodes that are just the good old classic us talking about consumerism. Uh, consumerism the, the good old week. days, Chris. Yes. Um, and, then, and then everyone's favorite Christian topic, cussing. So enjoy. Oh, awesome. Welcome to season two. Bye, season two. You are listening to Confessions of a High School Bible Teacher. Hey everybody, this is Christopher Seals, and across the table from me is... The new and improved Wayne Randolph. Yes, his beard is trimmed, he's got a hard part in his hair. Mm. Is that a hard part? It's called a hard part. Wow. I've never had one. It's kind of fun. It feels weird when you touch it. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, it's strange. Yeah. 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 Merry Christmas, Wayne. Cheers. Right back at you. Um, we're podcasting from the past. Um, so it's actually not Christmas. Um, but through the magic of podcastery <laughs> and uploading to the interwebs, we're broadcasting live from the past. I think it's going to be interesting Like if something dramatically changes in our world between now and when this is aired. Yes. So we might have to have like a little thing at the end. Like the third horseman of the apocalypse shows up? Third horseman. We all find out Santa's real. Um, I, I don't know. Nuclear war. <laughs> yeah. Looking forward uh, to it. How you been, dude? It's been a while. All right. Um, I finished Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Did you come through on your promise of the book you were going to read? Which book did I say I was going to read? I don't remember. Oh, bro. You should ask me that before we record. <laughs> Um, I think it was Martin Luther King something. Oh, if it was Strength to Love, then yes, I, oh, okay. I, I did read it again. I try to read that one once a year. Um, yeah, a lot has gone down since then. So I would say there's a lot that I, I have not done. It's, it's been a fairly interesting few months, to say the least. Nice. How was your book? Uh, it was really good. I ended up speaking at a thing about it. It was really good. That's cool. I prove it. And the, and the one on depression I'm still working through. 
So I'll let you the know. The book I'll, or, or depression? The, both. <laughs> yeah. It seems like you have I'll, cheered up a little bit. Yeah. I'm a little bit better. Good. Because that's what depression is. <laughs> It's just that simple. It's just that simple. Just get over I read, it. I read a book and now I'm fine. Um, hey, everyone. Oh, no, wait. Hey, Wayne. That's how we do this. Have you ever seen a movie called The Lorax? Yes. I love that movie, Chris. Have, oh, you, cool. have you ever read a book called The Lorax? I have. He is The Lorax. He speaks for the trees. Um, I think I've seen the newer one with the 3D animation. It's really good. How'd you feel about it? I like it a lot. Hmm. I felt like his mustache was contrived. Yep. Okay. <laughs> um, Hypercritical, Chris. What? Dr. Seuss, man. That's true. Good point. Good point. Um, so when it comes to the Lorax, he speaks for the trees. Um, and do you remember the name of the thing that um, they were cutting down the trees for? The weird sweater scarf? Yeah, they were they were cutting it down and manufacturing it? a thneed. Thneed. Everybody needs a thneed. Everybody does song. need a thneed. And I, th- I think that um, oh, in that movie like <laughs> that the thneed... Um, is symbolic, right? Um, Dr. Seuss was probably, I was going to say a, a closet political activist, but he wasn't very closet. Like a lot of his books have, <laughs> are pretty pretty loaded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's, he's got some bias for sure. Yeah, for sure. And and I think that um, if you look at the Lorax at one angle, you might think, okay, well, this is just environmentalist propaganda <laughs> um, about cutting down trees. Sure. Um, but I think that the, the truth there is... Um, or even if I take a step back, it's not even about environmentalism, I don't think. Um, but rather, environmentalism only needs to be a thing because everybody feels like they need a thneed. You know huh. what I mean? Yeah, I, I understand that. Can you unpack that for... Sure. If it wasn't for the fact that the... That I needed a thneed? That you needed a thneed, then the Lorax wouldn't need to advocate on behalf of the trees yeah. um, to make sure that the trees are taken care of. Um, because I think that... There are some creatures, um, such as humans, who, who feel like they always need thneeds, mm. um, whether it's to be happy, um, or maybe they need their second or third thneed because there are these other circumstances that arise, or maybe for their sense of security, um, they need a fourth and a fifth thneed. I need a going out thneed. I need a thneed that dra- matches my dress. I need a winter thneed. Try, try saying thneed <laughs> and, um, and not lisping for the rest of the That's really fun. Um, but but I think that today we're going to talk about our our need for thneeds. Um and when I say thneeds, I mean <laughs> material possessions um yeah. and um really like the the big umbrella term here is is consumerism. Consumerism and then and then kind of the dark side which is materialism. Right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And like maybe we use um in the book Hidden Worldviews by Jenkins. Um Hey, we use that for our last podcast. Yes. Um in that um uh, in that book, they talk about the reason they use the word consumerism instead of materialism is because um, because materialism can also be confused with another worldview, which is like scientific materialism, mm. which is the only thing that exists are physical material, material and energy. Yeah. yeah, so it's um, more scientific naturalism, right? And so, so when we say materialism or consumerism in this context, we are we are talking about um, we're talking about people's drive to consume things and have things to have happiness. Yeah, and the the thing with that, like consumerism, like clearly, like we we need to consume, right? And so we we're not. 
I guess just to get out of the way in the beginning, like we're not going to say like, oh, consumerism is bad. Like I need to drink water, Chris. Right. And it's probably best for my job that I buy clothes. And, yes. and um, I mean, you know what I mean? So like, yeah. so, so we're really, I think what we're going to explore today is, is when something that is a basic need of ours, or even kind of like we did with the patriotism, right? Like, like love for one's country is good when it, when right. it gets unhealthy. Um, so consumerism or consuming is, is a needed thing. Right. But when it becomes the end all. Right. Right. And, and, you know, let's be honest, we, we live in, in not just America, but Southern California. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we see this all around us, right. Yeah. Where it becomes the end all for people. And, um, and it's the end of the world too. Like if they miss out on, on something. And yeah. so, yeah, we want to explore that today. Yeah. And I think that it's really, um, I guess it's really poignant among our students because there are, um, well, first of all, it's the Christmas season. And so yeah. when it's the Christmas season, um, the, the lines between need and want and consume and um, collect um, all of these things, or even frugality, right? Black Friday, mm. is it about consuming or is it about, well, there's a great deal saving. and so I need to get this thing now. Um, but But especially among our students, um, there is, I've noticed that in a smaller Christian school, it's easier for these little like cultural memes mm. um, to pop up. When I say memes, I don't necessarily mean like the images that you get on um, that you Google that image or to you. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but I mean, others. but I mean like these these recurring things that seem to surface and sure. and then just catch on. So mm. um, I remember a couple years ago, it was um, making sure that you have beats by Dre. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. If you have oh skull, if you have skull candy, or even if you have like a Bose headset, which is probably significantly better if oh, you sig- yeah yeah if you yeah. didn't have beats um then then you are missing out yeah right? or and, lately at our school too it's been supreme yeah supreme <laughs> so weird right? that one or like even on on a stranger level um we can drink water out of any type of bottle but if you don't have a hydro flask mm. right and if the hydro flask gets dented right there that's a dent yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's sort of like our statement. Our kids, yeah. right? As soon as it falls, and right, and, and, and just, the, yeah, so the, yeah, these little these little nuances that find their way into our our schools. Yeah, narrative. and and I've overheard student conversations with parents where the way that these things are phrased is is sort of a it's like a it's a need. I was just gonna say, yeah, it's probably need huh? to them is like, no, I I need one of these. Yeah, you don't get it. You don't get it, mom. Other yeah, I, otherwise I can't drink water unless it's mm. out of this forty dollar mm. bottle, um, or I can't listen to music unless it's out of. These ones that have the the little Chris, B on them. Chris, I actually had a kid. I'm gonna say attempt to clown me. Yeah. I don't think it, I think it backfired. But I had a kid try to clown me about my knockoff, you know, fifteen dollar uh, hydro flask because mm. it wasn't because theirs had the right name on the outside and mine right. didn't. Yeah, and it was like what a weird conversation. Yeah, <laughs> You're it, dumb for not spending twice as much. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> think and, about what you just said. Right, and I, and I think that. All of this plays into consumer. I mean, I guess we this this comes into like image management and all that stuff yeah. gets lumped into it. But but when it comes to consumerism, like the the idea of need gets mm. expanded, yeah. like beyond what need actually is. Yeah. Now, and I know, don't get me wrong, I know that there are gray areas. Like recreation is probably a human need, and exploration and um, relational connection are needs. Like even totally, yeah, we could we could eat like a goo that has all the proteins and macronutrients that we have oh, need. But you'd miss out on bacon. Right. And top sirloin. <laughs> right. And so I, I know that there's so many different inflections of need, mm. but I think consumerism is when, is when that need gets expanded way beyond, um, way beyond 
what is practical, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And how many, how many of us, I was going to say, you know, how many people do you know, but let, you know, let's, let's be honest, how yeah. many of us and, and whether it's our own lives or watching our kids, um, how many of us have experienced that, that rush of, of wanting something, mm-hmm. convincing yourself and others that you need it. And mm-hmm. then you get it. And like straight up within like, sometimes it's days, you know, I got a nine year old and a five year old. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's within a day. Yep. It's like, wow, all we talked about was this thing for the last three weeks. And and it almost seems like the emphasis was more about the obtaining of the item right. as opposed to, um, I don't know, interacting and using the item. Yep. Um, it makes me think um, some years back, remember the Furbies? Oh. Do you remember those at all? I'm, I'm a little bit older than you. By a decade. Were they Were they fluffy? They were fluffy. It was one of the first like electronic kind of um, oh, yeah. better electronic like yes. toys that could like interact with eyes you. open and close. Yeah, and, they and so okay, you yeah. know, kind of capitalism at its best. There was like this like limited supply and huge demand. And I remember um, mm. like around Christmas time, like going online. And this is before kids. I was going to buy it for myself and for my wife because I had to have one, yeah. right? <laughs> and funny. Chris, I remember going online and like going to eBay and you know, waiting the last minute and like bidding and bidding. And man, I'd get up to like bidding like 70, 80 bucks for this little thing. But it's cause I, I, I knew I needed to have it. Yeah. And then like, I didn't get it. And there was part of me. It's like, okay, maybe that's kind of good. Cause that's kind of, that's might be more than I want to spend. But then right. that rush was still there, that desire, like a drug. Yeah. And so I finally found the right, perfect, cute ones. And I got matching ones for me and my wife. And I probably dropped over a hundred bucks, which is just stupid. <laughs> and no joke, bro. Within like, Probably two days. Mm. We were like, oh, wait, wait, this, mm. <laughs> this is what everybody wanted. Yeah. And um, man, how many, how many of us get wrapped up in the, and our students included, right? How many of us get just wrapped up in the, the desire to, to purchase? Right. It, it's almost as if like the ability to purchase mm-hmm. kind of becomes the, I don't know, the idol. Yeah. Right. That comes, becomes the altar of, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> And I, and I think that um, what you kind of hit on there is so so there's a couple dimensions to this right the far, first is there's like the status symbol um, piece of of attaining things but then also just the ability to get to to yeah. obtain and um, in uh, the book Hidden World Views um, they they sort of address um, a few of the central tenets of of this materialism or this consumerism. And one that you just hit on there is this idea that money is power, Yeah. right? If you have enough money, then you can get the things you need. And the reason that that's important is because if you accumulate things, if you have things, then you can be fulfilled, Mm. right? So if you have money, then you can be powerful enough to buy the things that you need to find truly find happiness. Yeah. And, and except for the last thing you said, I think all of that is true. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's yeah. the culture that we find ourselves in. Yep. Um, the happiness part, I think that's where yeah. we, um, that's probably the area I would imagine we're probably going to explore. Right. Yeah. And well, and here's a, here, a recent truth that I stumbled across. Um, well, I guess my daughter had been modeling it for us for a little while. Um, my daughter's only two and a half, so she's teaching. Um, but I think that the I was reading in a Richard Foster um, article on the discipline of frugality. Huh. Um, and he um, I think he calls the discipline simplicity. Either way, they're it's very it's a similar. Right now. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I think that um, he one of, one of his main points in this article was that you do not need to own things to enjoy them. Um, huh. And <clears throat> we as a family do this thing where when we have an afternoon open, and, and I, I do my best to not work after coming home um, unless it's you know grades are due or whatever. Um, and so we'll. If there's a, did you just say that like in case your boss is listening? 
maybe. Um, but we we will go to uh, insert name of department store here. Um, we will go to uh, uh, like a Target okay. or a place like that, and we will go through the toy aisles, and my daughter will play with the toys. Um, some, when I say play, I use air quotes. Like she plays with the toys because you can only push so many buttons through the plastic. Um, Are you one of those families that's like like sprawled out in the aisle, yeah. like making like tinker toys and shamelessly no awesome? Yeah, we're shamelessly in awesome, the aisle, bro. like pushing buttons. But, but I see where you're going, like with yeah. with with Richard Foster's quote. Yeah, she so. she's able to enjoy. Um, pushing the button on the on the Barbie baking mm. set because really that's mostly what it does and she can do that for free and she's going to lose interest in it in five minutes anyway so let's lose interest while it's on the shelf. Is it okay if I <laughs> if I take parenting advice from you? That's genius, bro. Yeah, that's the, smart. But I think what what she's teaching me there is oh yeah she doesn't like she has no conception of ownership. Yeah, you're the one that's right. going to teach her that, e- even right? though she's still like working on the whole like mine and yeah. yours and his and hers stuff. Into um, her forties, yeah. In in her in her mind, um, she's just going to this place where she gets to play with things for two hours, and that's fun. I dig it. Yeah, that's so. I'm going to try that. And, and so yeah, we don't <laughs> need to necessarily accrue and own mm. these things in order to enjoy them. And I, I think that one of the lies of adult life and materialism and consumerism is that we can start to believe that we can't enjoy it unless we have it. Yeah. I need, you know? I need, I need, I need. Yep. Yeah. That's good, bro. I'm going to, uh, remind me, ask me next time we're on air. I'll ask <laughs> how that radically backfires. I should probably video a little bit of it. Cause my kids are going to be pissed. It's going to be like, you ever seen the, um, I ate your Halloween candy videos. Yes. Have you seen those? It's, I guarantee you mine's going to be like that. Mm. What do you mean? You let me play with it and I don't get to take it home. That's funny. Yeah. And then I'll, yeah. Then we can fight. Yeah, no more fight. So one of the classes that I teach is called Love, Dating, and Marriage, which, I mean, it's it's pretty incredible that I get to teach a class called Love, Dating, and Marriage. Um, I don't know. I feel like... That's a that that is a skill or um, something that needs to be covered in school, but I, it doesn't get covered in school. The little bit that I've you know watched you teach it, or you know today I was able to share a little bit in there. I, I, if I was to rename your class, I'd call it um, Adult Living One Hundred and One. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to adulthood. Yeah. yeah. How, how to life? Yeah. I'm um, in part. It's really good. Yeah. Part of the class is they they do this thing which is a marriage project, but it's really that them learning how to budget and learning what careers pay what and. Um, I mean, half of the students in the class say that they're going to be surgeons, which statistically half of them are going to drop out of college before, right. um, before finishing. <laughs> yeah. um, but um, I, I think it's interesting because most of them, their main concern when they're choosing these careers is not like, am I going to be doing the thing that, that gives me life? Am I going to be stepping oh, into my I calling? Yeah, it's, it's how do I make sure that I have enough money, right? Yeah. Because money is power and that power buys me happiness. Yeah. And here's the thing. I, I think a lot of you um, may be listening. If, if you're like me, you've heard things don't bring you happiness a lot. And it's really easy for us to be like, yeah, who doesn't agree with that? I think get get 100 Americans in a room like Peter Rollins talks about this a lot. <laughs> get 100 Americans in the room and ask them, hey, can you be happy if you have enough things? Um, everyone will everyone will say, no, of course not. But if you track their lives. Yep. We live our lives yeah. with a different answer. With yeah, with that worldview. Right. Yeah, I think it even exposes itself. Um, you know, you and you and I have um, spent years doing like short term missions and stuff with, mm-hmm. with, our, with our students. And there's a phrase uh, that that they they come home with, mm-hmm. right? And uh, it's the uh, man. They're just so happy, mm-hmm. even though they don't have anything. Yep. And uh, 
you know, I used to yell at kids and stuff. And now, you know, I, I'm a little bit more mellow and help them kind of process. But it exposes this idea that, um, man, we really equate happiness with stuff, yeah. right? Even though, and I love that, like we said with Rollins, like even though we would say no, yeah. here, here's something that we say that is yep. totally, because what we're asking is, wow, how can those people smile and be happy? And they don't have all the things I have. Right. Uh, and, you know, and the other thing is that people will come home and say, it allows me to just realize how blessed I am. Yeah. And I wonder if that's a lie that's crept into our, I'll just yeah. go out, right? And just say, like, I wonder if that's a lie that's crept into our, our theology that, yeah. that um, you know, I, I'm blessed. There was a, a, a woman, oh, Chris, uh, I don't remember. If the, I think this was down in Mexicali. It might have been Guatemala. I don't know. We've, we've been doing a lot of these trips. Yeah. Um, but it might have been a story I heard. But, you know, long story short of it was the, this idea. This little old lady was down and she was like, hey, you know, you guys come down here and you pray for us in our poverty and we, we pray for you and your excess. Mm. That your, your stuff has deceived you. You know, yeah. your things have deceived you. And um, how interesting that, you know, kids walk away from these quote unquote, like, you know, spiritual experiences or, you know, Christian experiences with this idea that they're blessed for the amount of stuff they have. And how can people be happy without stuff? Yeah. It's, it's, it's very telling. How, how do we, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, how, how do we, how do we combat it? How do we start? I mean, I'm guessing this is one of those things where we're really gently hmm. like removing kind of one brick at a time and helping yep. kids see these things. But yeah. Um, yeah. How do we, how do we navigate those things? And I, th- I think it starts with, I mean, Honestly, I think it starts with helping students be aware of what's under the surface, right? We constantly talk about like, like um, the question behind the, the question, question kind of thing, the question, yeah. yeah, or caught not taught. Like all of these are pointing to the same reality that um, we cannot teach these lessons like in meaningful ways through rote learning, right? Even if we work, yeah. if we're going to use teacher speak, we can work all the way up gardeners um, or Bloom's, Bloom's tax- taxonomy, taxonomy. Yeah. Um, but. But even if we do that and, and we have all the right buzzwords and our students will be able to portion of our lesson plans, right. <laughs> um, we we are still not going to be able to get to where we need to because with the students, there's something under the surface that needs to be changed. And, mm-hmm. and I think um, I was talking with my friend Michael um, a couple months back and he was basically just sort of reminding me that that the brain science seems to point to the fact that what we're doing in high school, we're not actually teaching them anything. <laughs> we're just sort of setting them up so that when they're actually ready to learn meaningful things, they, might be able they, to. they have the scaffolding. So to we're do helping it. them establish neural pathways, but later they'll actually use them. Right. Is that yeah, maybe a kind simple? Of, okay. Sure. That, and if you're a neuroscientist, well, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Send, not, send me your hate mail. Right. That's fine. <laughs> uh, and I don't know why you're listening to us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome you so, like us so um but but in talking about that i think that the first step is making them aware of the fact that there is something under the surface mm. um peter rollins talks about um batman um and how um batman has crazy amounts of wealth mm. and with that crazy amounts of wealth he could totally start up organizations and institutions that could cure poverty in the narrows it, the narrows is what it's called right Ah, I'm, not, I'm not that far in. Well, wh- where, wherever the, the bad people are, right? Um, but instead what he does is he launches a multi-million dollar military campaign <laughs> to beat up bad guys at night. Um, and, uh, I, love, and, I love that. And what, 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 he sort of, what Rollins sort of points out is the fact that um, Batman does what he does so that he can be able to cope with his life as Bruce Wayne, hmm. right? He believes one thing, um, but he doesn't want to know that he believes it. 
right? Or or his belief yeah. is not congruent with his actions because if his if he truly believed that he wanted to like cure, end, yeah, get rid of evil, right? right. Then then he, there are other pathways that are much more re- responsible and sure. good, right? Yeah. Um, so I I almost Ooh, feel that's like good. when we say materialism is bad, <laughs> we we or when we say man. During Christmas time, people are such consumers. They should get back to the real meaning. When we say these things, to an extent, what we're kind of doing is is using it as as an opiate um, to uh, help ourselves cope with the fact that our actions don't align with that. We're stuck, right? Yeah, like we will we'll sip our five dollar coffees um, and talk about how consumerism <laughs> is bad, right? Or why'd well, you glare at me like that when you said that? <laughs> <laughs> or or we'll uh yeah we'll we'll no, drink out of our great, we'll drink bro. out of our hydro flask totally. and be like man people care so much about brands right. um those people yeah but but really Ooh, like so me. if we if we can it's help me. is that what you're saying it's me it's us yeah okay. i think if we can help students come to the realization that there is an incongruence with between their actions and the things that they say that they believe mm. i think that that sets them up so that as they age to continually be critical of the things that they say yeah. that they believe it, it kind of seems yeah that's really good by the way chris <laughs> The following segment is not sponsored by Supreme, Hydro Flask, or Sean's Computer. What originally motivated you to get a Hydro Flask? Um, everyone had one, and it was really good at keeping drinks cold, and I was like, I want one, and then I got one. After you got your hydro flask, um, how did you feel, um, and did that feeling change over time? Um, well, I felt pretty excited, and after about a week or two, it kind of went away. And then after about a month, it was in my football bag and got a huge dent, and then I was sad. And then I made it, I just hit it until it became a cube, and then I was happy again. So what originally motivated you to get a hydro flask, and then how did you feel when you finally got one? A lot of my friends had hydro flasks, and I thought, hey, these look pretty cool. I also saw that it worked really well, and I like the color black. The end. No, but how did, how did you feel once you had it? Oh, yeah. Um, I felt very satisfied. Yeah? Because I was like, I'm cool now. <laughs> Do you still feel satisfied whenever you drink out of your hydro flask? There's a certain little ego inside of me that gets its praise when I drink out of my hydro flask, yes. What motivated you to buy slip-on vans? Um, And what do you think they say about you and who you are? Well, originally, I mean, I first saw them because, of course, everyone has them. But after getting my first pair, I was like, wow, these are so cool. And they're easy to just slip on and go. And they're super comfortable. So I got a bunch of other pairs in different colors. And when I wear them, I feel just like everyone else. How did you feel before and after you bought your Supreme backpack? Um, before, I was really hyping it up because I really wanted it and I thought it would be really cool. Uh, after buying it, it, I felt pretty good about myself for the first couple of weeks, but since then I've sold it, so I think that shows how satisfying that purchase was. How, how much did you sell it for? $450. How much did you buy it for? 200 well done. Thank you. What is the object or physical position possession that you have bought that has made you the happiest? 
probably my computer because when I first bought it and built it, it I was pretty happy and excited I was able to successfully build uh, a computer on my own and since then for the past few years it has provided me with loads of joy playing games with friends. Um, do you still have, feel the same high from every time you use the computer as you did when you first got it? Uh, not the same as when I first got it but there's still like a feeling of like enjoyment and happiness that I get when I use it. Uh, side note, by the way, we went and saw, um, my wife and I saw... Um, Coco. We did see Coco. So we cried. Everybody cries. Come on. Uh, no, the Justice League one or whatever, mm-hmm. and it has Batman in there. And she, that was actually, she's like, what's, what's, his, what's his skill? Is he, is he just rich? That's his superpower? Yeah. He's just rich? Um, <laughs> so I was going to say, you know, uh, back to what you're saying there, like, that seems like that is our entry point, uh, just in evangelism in general with our mm-hmm. students, is... Hey, you guys are you're wrapped up in this dominant narrative of mm. the of the culture, and so you, you, I guess you're saying we need to show them that there is an alternative narrative, right? Yeah. There is this other narrative that you've been taught, but there's also a way to align your life to it. Yeah, yeah, and that that seems to be our job in general, right? Right. Yeah. So this one, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so, if a student if a student can at the end of our classes say what the Trinity is um, and explain it well. And if they can, at the end of the class, talk about the way that Christians should live, but in the end decide that um, they don't want to, then I think we've we've sort of missed it. Yeah, they got they got their A, yeah. and and they but they got their F in life. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, so yeah, I know the way that I work in my classroom mm-hmm. is, and I, I think you're similar, um, is we try to kind of help them arrive at the conclusion. Mm-hmm. So what are what are some of the dissecting methods, I guess, or, or questioning methods that we use to allow kids to look at themselves in the mirror and see that they have turned consumption into materialism? Yeah, I, I if, think... I mean, do you... Is that okay to ask you that? Like, do you yeah, feel like you've got some thoughts? Or, absolutely, okay. yeah. I, I think that one of the things that I will do is sort of just present them with facts. Um, because it's much easier to say that um, 40 whatever percent of American do X, Y, and Z than yeah. to say, you guys are bad, you do this. Yeah, you suck. Right? Um, but they're, if they're I, used to that. Yeah. <laughs> but if I give them a statistic, mm. um, then they have an opportunity to resonate with that statistic or say, I'm part of that or yeah. I'm not part of that statistic. Yeah, and um, they either, yeah, and they either um, take it or they discredit, right? And they just... It's just fake. Yeah. It's just fake. And and so I find that like doing doing the research to figure out, okay, what are Americans consuming? Um and I, I think we talk about we in America we're so wealthy. Um, but then every every year trying to refresh myself on, okay, well, what what are most people in the world living on? Mm. Right? Because before like a dollar a day was the was the almost fifty percent right? Uh, but and it's now crazy. it's like two dollars a day. But there's inflation, and so I mean <laughs> we have, we have to account for all these things. But making sure that those things are up to date, so that when they roll their eyes, you can say no, 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 no. no uh, this data. is from the World Health Organization, and this yeah. is what it means. Yeah. Um, and so I think that the statistics, at least with, because I find that it is the it's the analytical student mm. that is much quicker to to poo poo to be the skeptic. Yeah, yeah to be the skeptic, sure. and yeah. so. That for them, having the data and having the data presented well usually mm-hmm. is is a little bit more powerful for them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And you, I mean, that's is one of the reasons I enjoy being a Bible teacher with you, mm-hmm. you know, and and because you you do bring that. Um, I go for the gut. Yeah. I, I just I just I just go for the jugular. Yeah. You know? So, um, I know when we when I was teaching this course with with the same textbook, the Hidden Worldviews textbook, 
when we got to this section, we actually, um, for me, it's visuals. Yeah. I mean, this is this is probably seventy percent of the reason I even take kids down to Guatemala is so they can go see for themselves. Yeah. Um, before I go there, it reminds me of um, Mother Teresa, right? And Shane Claiborne talks about in, in Irresistible Revolution. He talks about how he wanted to go and like learn from her, like wanted to like ask her some questions, or not go and learn, but he wanted to ask her some questions. And um, I guess it, she was, you know, notorious for saying, "Just come and check it out yourself." Yeah, like I can't tell you anything; like you have to see it for yourself. Yeah. Um, and I think within that, what I'm learning is like you you have to experience it for yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes me think of Thomas. Like, well, wait, wait till I see Jesus for myself. Right. Then maybe I'll believe. And so um, I know that I'm a visual learner. And that's one of the ways that I learn. And, and so when we were doing materialism in, in my class, we watched a documentary that's um, currently on Netflix. I highly recommend it to every single person, to all seven of you that are listening. We, we <laughs> At some point, I got to change that joke, right? We're on season two. All 17 of you listening? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, but there's a documentary called True Cost, and... It in a really healthy and like non. I mean, it's biased, but it's not like preachy. Right. It's not, um, and it just it just shows this idea of of um, what's called fast fashion, mm. which is this really like low end cheap clothing, um, mass produced um, and mass flooded into the market, um, produced in really jacked up ways. I mean, right. that's that's how you drive cost down is by yeah. by exploiting someone else elsewhere. Um, but it shows, and it shows big brand names, H&M and, and, and um, Forever 21. And I mean, like, you can just hear the collective sigh uh, uh, from the girls, and especially in the class, yeah. um, who are just like, when we're watching, they're like, oh, because they see it, and they see that, oh, yeah, I'm totally down to go buy this outfit for 22 bucks, and I don't necessarily have to care about it too much. I can, this even this idea of like disposable, like I, I can wear yeah. it once to an event and then, you know, I don't want to, whether it's, I don't want to be seen in it again, or, you know, it's, it's just cheap enough that I can throw it in the closet. I can go buy more. Um, but there are these externalities. There yeah. are these unintended consequences that come from that, whether they're envir- environmental or we talk about like human capital. Right. Um, like just because your shirt costs you four bucks. Awesome. What was the what was the human capital, the flesh, the sweat, the blood, yep. um, and and a documentary again, True Cost on Netflix. Um, I'm sorry, I don't remember the the director's name, but um, it exposes it and shows it, and just gives people the opportunity to say, oh, well, gosh, if I would have known that, I probably wouldn't participate as much. Yeah. And I found that interestingly enough, Chris, um, you know, it's about a two hour documentary. We'll do it the whole week, kind of watch some talk, watch some watch, and you get to the end. And I don't need to tell them like. You know, are you ready to jump all in and go, you know, yeah. crazy hippie and make your own clothes? But I can just say, okay, so what do you guys do now? Yeah. What do you do now? Now that you've seen it, um, kind of like what you were saying, you've seen the data, you've heard the data, you, it's been reinforced. What do you, what do you do now? And it's, it's uh, actually very encouraging mm-hmm. to see the amount of students who, once they understand that um, I don't need to judge uh, the metric that I use. Uh, to judge what I consume does not have to be like how much, what's the biggest bang for the buck. What if maybe the metric I use is, has to do with like people over, right. over profit. Yep. What if I, what if I actually have to sit and think about, Hey, you know, how did this affect somebody else? Or anyways, I mean, you kind of get where I'm going, yeah. but um, I, the data and showing it to them seems to be really beneficial. Right. And, and so the data, not just being the numbers, but like what you're saying is also showing them that. (laughs) And and I think that even taking it a step further is also showing them that it's possible to live that way. Um, I I think that (laughs) in, in love, dating and marriage, I showed them the, um, a Dave Ramsey video where he basically, if you don't know Dave Ramsey, he's like this finance guru, but his whole thing is just about behavior modification and saving and being responsible. And 
showing them the baby steps thing about how to get out of debt and how to um, use this debt snowball and how to have a savings account and how to have um, retirement and all these things. Um, one of the consistent pieces of feedback I get after showing them this is like, he makes it seem too simple, mm. right? It, like, but it can't be that easy. It can't be that easy. No one actually can do that. It's a lot harder than that. And, and I think that, um, I've been one of those people mm. that has never really understood why people are secretive about their finances. Um, I'm with the, you. Yeah. Because I, I think that maybe it makes, if Quite there's something you're ashamed of, then like, okay, then yeah. I guess maybe or, that's why. My my statement would be like if you're somehow your identity is wrapped up in what right. you make like you know I make a little over forty thousand like that's right. that's, yep. that's not yeah that's not indicative of who I am it's not mm-hmm. a reflection it's just that's what my job pays right exactly that <laughs> is the, and that I is like the my cur- job that's the current market value yeah of Christian yeah. school teacher yeah, yeah. but yeah there, a lot of people get wrapped up sorry you're gonna say so some people so some people <laughs> hunker down on that but I found that some one of the most effective things um in that class in particular has been. Just being willing to say, okay, well, when my wife was a barista making eight fifty an hour, and I was working in landscape uh, <laughs> making eight seventy five an hour, this is how we made things work, um, and we this is how we could still have savings because we did these things, right? Mm. Um, and giving them a tangible example that they can't say, well, that's impossible or implausible because they they were able to see it, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, or um, on the side of trying to buy sustainably sourced things, um, oh, saying, hey, yeah, I'm. Um, even when you show up to work um, with the the local, um, I guess, farm, farmer-friendly coffee yeah. brand in yeah. your hand instead of it's Starbucks, too, isn't like it? over time, what that has done is created a culture in our students to say, oh, yeah, if I'm going to consume, there's a way to do it responsibly. Are you saying I created a cultural meme at yeah, our you, school? You did, actually. Yeah. Praise God. Everyone talks about Clutch. I'm, that's actually kind of exciting. Yeah, it's kind of fun. I think. Um, so so I think actually living out and embodying right, this stuff right. is part of helping them catch it and say, oh, yeah, that that's totally possible. We, um, and, and some of it might be as simple as, like, I do my best to wear a collared shirt and a tie. Um, but over time, students will notice I wear the same, like, seven or eight collared shirts and ties. Bro, I was just going to bring this day. up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's part of communicating Hey, I can meet the requirements of my job, still be professional, I and it. I don't need to have fifteen hundred different outfits. Totally, Chris. Yeah. I, um, I'm gonna assume you don't notice because that just might be weird. <laughs> unless you're just really observant. If you're a nine, I've seen that shirt a few times. Um, oh yeah, yeah. My, my, um, I intentionally. So today's Tuesday, right? Mm-hmm. So I wore these pants yesterday and today. I'll probably wear them tomorrow. I I, I wear my pants at least two days in a row. Um, if not three, and sometimes I'll even do my shirts. And I absolutely love when you'll get a kid who like like wants to clown. Yeah, Mr. Randolph, you wore that yesterday. Oh yeah, you're, you're right. <laughs> it's, it's just this awkward like. Oh no, but like yeah, but you like wore it yesterday. Yeah. What's what's wrong? Yeah, you you didn't wear, it. and it and it causes them to ask those questions, right? Do you remember um Cherupon? Mm. When we worked at the university, I remember the name. She's yeah, a name. she's dope, man. I, I, hey, for whatever reason, if you're listening, Sister Cherupon, what's up? Um, she is this little firecracker of a, a Laotian, and she would wear all black constantly. Hmm. And I finally we got we got close, and you know, I, I finally asked, like, "Are you in mourning? Like, is this like what's up?" And she's like, "Oh." No, this is my little way of saying no to the fashion industry. Mm. This is my way of, of saying I don't need to be in the latest fashion or the mm. latest trend or the latest color. And she's like, 
just makes it really easy. I just I just only buy things that are pretty much black, and it just makes. I don't feel like I'm a slave to that um, mm-hmm. industry or, or to that mentality that yeah. I have to keep up. And so there are these little ways. And so yeah, so I yeah I don't I don't I don't change my my clothes every single day. And it sounds like maybe you don't buy new things all the time. Like there yeah. there are little things that kids notice. Yeah. Um, I remember in in Guatemala. Um, we we there's a, a justice kind of economic justice component to our trip. Yeah. Um. And um. What, one of the basic questions that I, I try to get the question, the kids to to get in their mind is, uh, and, and this is in, within the context of coffee farmers. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of I like coffee. If that mm-hmm. hasn't been been said yet. Um. And so one of the basic questions is like, wait, if this is the number two traded commodity in the world behind oil, um, why are coffee farmers living in poverty? That that, that just doesn't. Um. Right. As a, as a an idealist, and on top of it, I'm a Christian idealist. That's just not shalom like that's just not it just is stupid so someone somewhere is 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 making fat cash off this and um so we'll you know we'll 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 do that with the kids and they're learning and um, we do this little spiel while we're down there with my buddy franklin and um eventually he kind of basically just bursts their bubble and tells them pretty much everything that they're consuming is is jacking up somebody somewhere Mm. um and i love i love what it comes to so finally a kid will ask okay so then where can i shop where, where can I actually buy things then? If I can't go to this store and I can't go to this store and, right? And I loved it, dude. He, he was the teacher. Yeah. And Franklin looked at him and said, no, that's the wrong question. Do you need more? Hmm. Do, do you need to shop more? Because what, what he was exposing was like, you just told me, I, I, you just blocked off my access, right? You just stopped my ability to go and get stuff. So where can, where can I go get more? And, and I love that. Like, just, just stop for a second. Yeah. Do, do you need more? I mentioned Shane Claiborne early, earlier, and you know he, he's a hero of mine, and partially because um, he lives it out so genuinely from, from what we can see. Right. Um, the dude makes his own clothes, yeah. <laughs> you know. And I, I remember like one of the first times I saw him was like, "Yo, what's up?" Right? Like, what's what are you wearing, dude? And then you hear that, and you're like, "Oh wow, you have the courage to live out your conviction." Yeah. And so, man, that's that's about a yeah. twenty minute segment of, of us just saying like. Somehow you have to figure out how to live it out in front right. of them, huh? Yeah, because if we're just saying, don't be consumers, don't be materialists, um, and then you're a resounding like, well, you, <laughs> you like my new, do you like my new purse or do you like my new? Right. Well, I always say, I always ask if they like my new purse. Yeah. Personally. I usually say yes. Yeah, I know. Um, but, but I think that the consumerism thing, I think where it can take, it's already dark enough, right? But where it can take an even darker ter- turn is one of the things I point out to my, my, the life 101 class students <laughs> um is that i mean if you look at the the economy doesn't call us humans it doesn't oh. say this is what humans are doing that it says this is what consumers are doing right dude and how um, often does it right consumer yeah. price index yep. consumer confidence I, consumer spending i i'm looking into <laughs> buying a new washing machine Careful. Um, i know um and so i was using consumer reports right, right. um but but we are consumers to the market, that that is our identity. We consume things, um, but it, and we we talk. We start our year off talking about love for the subhuman, right? Like it's okay to like ice cream so much that you love it, or we like the view of the mountain so much that we love it. Um, and but it can get problematic when our consumption of those things is our primary defining factor. And right. where it takes a really dark turn is that I think sometimes we go from being consumers of the subhuman um, to being consumers of the human. Mm. Um, and I think social can media... You, can you unpack that Yeah, for us? social media is a really big helper in this. Um, so when you're scrolling through your Instagram feed, 
Um, and whether it's an attractive person of the opposite sex or a person falling and smashing their nuts on a rail because they fell off their skateboard, um, or, or that guy that has abs that look just like mine, right? <laughs> or or doing someone doing something funny, yeah. they they are not another human with a story and a life and oh, a family. It's a little packaged, um, but but they're another object that we consume, right? Yeah. They're just part of the mosaic of flickering mm. pixels meant to satisfy us and and the problem with that is that as our identities get more and more absorbed into this digital world um we begin to see other human beings that are even there in our presence and no they're they're not my friend because they're another valued human being walking toward the same goal but they're my friend because they're the object i keep around I to consume. maximize my pleasure and consume and as soon as they're not useful to me i throw them out just like I throw out a, a cigarette butt or a tampon or Gosh. or that pair of pants that got a rip in it. Oh, have you right? seen the documentary True Cost? Mm-mm. Have you watched that yet? Um, that's yeah, that's that's kind of the summary of a lot of people where they just talk about like at what point did humans become disposable like this? Right, where we can, we can just yeah yeah that hurts my heart a lot. I mean, I, again, I, I I I don't use that term like Christian idealist loosely. It just breaks my heart yeah. you know and, like, and this is so far from from the the story right <laughs> and and i think about um i don't know but i think about the way that we talk about movie stars even mm-hmm. um sometimes movie stars especially if they stop being popular right like yeah. when they when they drop off the map um like i i almost feel like when people stop appearing in movies we start asking questions that make it seem like that they don't exist anymore right <laughs> Like, but they're not people anymore because yeah. they're no longer appearing on a I'm device. I'm no longer consuming them. I'm no longer, yeah. So, <laughs> so then what value do they have if yeah. I'm not able to consume them? Whatever happened them? to so-and-so? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Dude. So. Yeah, the human, the human capital part, I think that that is, that's my appeal. Yeah. When, when I'm having this talk with people. Um, and then, you know, if, if you, you want to... For me, especially in the Bible class, I, I want to get him back into the into the text. Right. I want to get him back in the Word, and and um, you know, one of the things is you put this on my radar yesterday that that you know we, maybe we should discuss materialism and, and mm. stuff. Um, I've been thinking a lot about the prophets, and in particular Amos. Mm. Um, but I feel like he's just echoing what so many other ones said. And um, what you see in the prophets so often is that God cares about human capital. Yeah. Um, that God cares about um, about the the oppressed, and yeah. um, you know, if you don't believe me, there's a cool opportunity to go get into your text. Those of you that are listening, um, I would say pretty much open up uh, any prophet. I'm, I'm gonna go that far. Open up any prophet, and uh, I don't think it'll take you too long. Yeah, before you find out that God's saying, "Hey, all your stuff that you're doing, yep. all the things that you're doing, they've lost their meaning. They don't mean anything to me. They actually make me sick. Yep. Your traditions, your your." You know, all your Christmas rituals and buying all these gifts and you know, these things make me sick and, and you're you're singing all these songs to me, but I can hear the cry. I, I mean remember that cry I answered from you guys? Like I can hear it and 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 you're oppressing people and you're and it's specifically there's a lot of economic um, connotation, not even just connotation, it just says it, but yeah. there's, a, there's just a lot of economic issue where it's like, wait, the, the worker in your field, he's crying out because you you withheld from him. Yeah. And the person who is a foreigner in your land going through like you're what are you doing? Like, why are you treating them like this? And so, um, there's this really interesting rub between like economics and, and wealth and the accumulation of wealth. And especially in our culture, it's in our culture that that's a big deal. There's this constant rub and it's been there 
since the time of the prophets. Right. So I'm, I'm going to say back to the part of the beginning of the story that God isn't as probably interested in those um, fleeting systems yeah. as much as he is with human capital. Right. And I think that's where I get really scared, Chris. Um, you know, I've definitely learned, I've had my idealist, idealist bubble burst a lot where I find out that no matter what, like, yes, I'm drinking the right coffee, but my shoes are, are enslaving somebody. Right. Or, okay, so now I got the right shoes, but now my, you know, my underwear. I, I get, so I, it's hard. It's hard. But to be aware and to be, a, be people who care about life, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it doesn't take too much to do a little bit of research, right. you know, and find, find one area. And so I, I guess kind of where I'm going with that is sometimes when we present these things to the kids and, and then you show them the Bible and you're like, this is God's heart, then it's this almost like guilt, like, okay, so I'm stuck in this system. God's heart is for the people. You know, how do I do this? And right. I guess um, part of what I, I would like to say and have people here is like, you know, start small, find, find one area, find something that maybe you are passionate about. So coffee is something I'm passionate about because yeah. I love it. And so I want to continue loving it without guilt. Right? right. And so that's the one thing I've picked and it's trickled into other areas, but, um, yeah, I, th- I feel like showing kids God's heart yeah. for those things. Cause there's this other nar- narrative out there, even within the Christian church that God wants you to be rich and God wants you to have these things. Right. And you know, why would God withhold these blessings for you? Yeah. Um, and that would be the easy way. Mm. That would be a nice way to go. I wish that yeah. was the gospel. Well, and I, I think that I think our our friends or enemies, I don't know, um, in the in the prosperity gospel movement, um, I think that there's a nugget Let's of call truth. them cousins. Sure, cousins. Um, in the prosperity gospel movement, um, is the idea that God does intend for us to be satisfied. Yeah, He does intend for us to have joy. And and um and enjoyment yeah. and to revel in the goodness of his creation. Of I mean that's shalom. I mean yeah. at, at the um PS the Bible Project guys just put out a new video on shalom and it's delicious. Nice. Um, but that's one of the things they, they they actually just kind of say, he says at its core it's not just peace at the simplest form of shalom at its core is is whole and complete. Right. And so, yep. Yeah, we're satisfied. Yep. We're, I've come to give you life and life more abundant, uh, the, right? <laughs> yeah, my, my spiritual director uses the word delight. Like, mm. we get to delight yeah. in things. Um, like, I can just go to Target and just play with toys? Yeah. <laughs> I right. see what you're doing, Chris. Yeah. You're a good dad. And, and I think that um, where, are, where they go wrong, right, is they're right in that God wants us to delight and have joy and satisfaction and fulfillment and all those mm. things. Where they go wrong is that the house on the hill and the second Maserati is going to be the thing that brings that joy and that satisfaction and those yeah, good things, yeah. right? Um, and, uh, man, I, I hate quoting statistics that I, I can't give you a reference for, um, but um, the... It's the norm I, now. Yeah, I know. But <laughs> I know there, there, was a, there was a study done. <laughs> um, but even, even I, can, I can point to this, I guess, anecdotally as sure. well, that there's a certain amount of money that when you hit it, um, and I think the figure is about 75000 a person, which is, I guess, more than we make, right? Um, but seventy five. Wait, that's not joint income. Yeah. <laughs> seventy five thousand. Um, the the happiness tends to plateau. The sense of satisfaction tends mm. to plateau. That there's not a huge difference in happiness between people who make seventy five thousand and people who make um, two hundred and fifty thousand. Um, the I, amount of happiness, security, uh, satisfaction, joy, fulfillment ends up being the same between millionaires and and seventy five thousand a year people, right? Um, and so what this means is that, mm. is that there's another variable that people are missing when it comes to finding satisfaction like and that. fulfillment yeah. and joy. And, I, and I, it comes from having shalom with mm. God's self, others, and the rest of creation, which part of the rest of creation is your finances, yeah. Right? Yeah. right? Is the stuff in your bank account, is the stuff in your attic um, and in your 
storage unit that you i mean if it if you have to have a storage unit maybe you don't need it i don't know anyway um <laughs> yeah i yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and so i i guess maybe that's the takeaway right is as teachers with our students it we know like a textbook we know that happiness does not come from stuff right right we know, i know that intellectually right we know that joy does not come from stuff i think i'm learning it yeah in the physical world right and <laughs> and even if we if we communicate the message to our students that materialism is not the answer and it won't get you get you happiness um if we don't show them where happiness and joy actually comes from then all they're going to get is guilt hmm. right they're going right. to keep they're going to keep consuming and feel guilty about it right what can i do what can i do right but if we can show them that there's a way that they can live and wake up to who they are um, truly and who God mm. wants them to be and the way that they were meant to live life, right? If they could learn to have joy like that, then, then the idea that they don't need stuff can be reality, mm. right? Then that's the, good, dude. Yeah. yeah. I like, I like showing kids, um, St. Francis, mm. um, and, and I'd say two of the more famous, I guess, stories from his life. Um, you've got, uh, well, first of all, he, he, he's born into this real rich family. Do you remember what century offhand, by the way? No. Nope. Okay. Back I'm, in the day. I'm thinking 11th or 12th. Okay, cool. So um, St. Francis is born into this rich family and falls in love with this Jesus character and mm-hmm. has a, a total like uh, you know worldview kind of change. And um, he, he comes to understand, especially living in a wealthy family, he comes to understand that poverty is something that's made by man uh, and due to man's greed. Um, and he has some of these famous quotes and I, I think that they are really, they still resonate today. And so he is famous for saying, um, the extra coat in your jacket. Um, nope. The extra coat in your closet, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the extra jacket, the extra coat in your closet, um, doesn't belong to you. It actually mm. belongs to the, the, the person out there starving or, or who's out there cold. Mm. And I can remember having that talk with my wife. This is in our, our younger years. So I was, a, I was a lot louder and angry and militant but you know i used to give her a, a lot of crap because i would say hey you know what about this sweatshirt like it's, you don't even wear this and she's like oh yeah but that's my camping sweatshirt and i remember sitting there like are you kidding like you have a camping sweatshirt really <laughs> like you have a camping thneed um, <laughs> um but you know we've, we've since kind of grown through that and realized like yeah like that's that's weird like i'm hoarding and the other thing he was really famous for doing and this this resonates a lot with me and um he would go and feed homeless and he would get on his knee and ask for forgiveness for hoarding. Hmm. And um, one of the things that I'm, my current stage of life that I'm realizing in terms of materialism and and consumption and material goods is um, how often I, I am finding like security and and other things within it. Hmm. Um, And that by giving it away, and man, this this sounds radical probably to a lot of people, and it sounds radical to my wife. And, mm. um, you know, God bless her; she balances me out, so I don't give everything away. But um, in giving stuff away, I'm combating my own um, pride and my own greed. And does that, does that make sense? Yeah. Like with within me, and I and I think Saint Francis. There's a reason we're still talking about him is because it, it clicked for him. Right? Did you look it up by the way? What century? Um, yeah, from the late 1100s, early 1200s. Right on. Good job. Yeah. Um, the other thing, Chris. Uh, you know, back back just back to the text, the takeaway. You know, um, Proverbs, this this book of, yeah. of wisdom of. I don't know. I, I, I've shared with you. I've been really 
kind of obsessed with, with yeah. the wisdom literature lately. And I mean, just just thinking that there is a pool of wisdom that we get to jump into that's just there waiting for us, right? Like Proverbs says, like Lady Wisdom's calling in the streets, just waiting to be accessed, right? And so on this topic, this topic, um, there are there are a lot of proverbs, but there's one. Um, I know that's that's kind of dear to my heart, and it's from Proverbs thirty um, eight, and it's keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches; just give me my daily bread, for I may have too much and disown you and say, "Who's the Lord?" Um, I, the way I impact that with my students is how often this idea of being kind of Lord in my life. How often do I have enough stuff that I forget about God? And, mm-hmm. and here's what I mean: when I'm hungry. I go to Del Taco. I go to In-N-Out. I open my fridge. I go to my pantry. Right. Um, who's the Lord? I don't go to him for my daily bread, yeah. right? Um, and we don't expect it either. Um, if I'm hot, I turn on the air conditioning. I mm-hmm. right. I, I put on a, a cooler shirt. If I'm cold, I, I use it. Like, yep. and so like I'm Lord to myself in all these areas. And, and I think one of the, the scary things, and I love that Proverbs, and this is wisdom. It says, keep falsehoods and lies from me. Give, keep these like riches and stuff away from me because I, it says I may have too much and disown you and say, who's God? Right. And that, you know, I think our initial rebuttal to that, like intellectually is like, well, no, no, I know who God is. Oh yeah. Yeah. Are you, are you living, are you living in such a way that, that he is the provider and the one that you're trusting or, yep. or are you Lord of your own life? And so, you know, even that component, as we talk about materialism, like, like, how does it affect our relationship with the Father and then by default also with other people? And so I love that here's this ancient wisdom that says, no, keep both those things. Because then it goes on to say, I don't want to be um, poor either. Because if I'm poor, I actually might steal. And in the same way, I'm not trusting you, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm, 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 I'm taking it upon myself to provide for myself. But yeah. here's, here's, and, and here's Jesus again in, in Matthew, was it six, Matthew five, where he's like, yeah, just look around, look at the birds, yeah. look, look at the flowers. God's pretty good. It yeah. seems like he created a system where things will be provided and consumption's happening. Look at those guys. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, are, you, what are you tripping on? Yeah. What are you tripping on? Keep these right. falsehoods far from you. Yep. And in, in the Luke version, um, the Sermon on the Plain, he's like, yeah. and hey, don't worry, you're worth more than a couple of birds. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Right? He's a Gentile. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you know, I'm, I, that, that, that's wisdom. Like, here's yeah. this wisdom. It's like, keep that stuff. It actually calls it a falsehood and a lie. Mm. And that's bad. I could probably we can probably unpack that for a long time there. Yeah, and and I think that's a that if we can internalize these concepts um, about our our right posture towards stuff and our right posture towards I guess wealth, um, then we will be more able to actually embody and live this stuff out for mm. our students to believe that it can be done right, yeah. and then maybe some of this this teaching this intellectual stuff that we're putting into their minds about materialism and consumerism can actually penetrate into their hearts yeah amen episode one season two check wow the end Wayne out